Welcome to the Grind and Be Grateful podcast. I'm your host, Marie Wold, health and fitness influencer, coach, and lifestyle entrepreneur committed to educating and empowering women to become their very best selves. Each week, my guests and I are proving that with hard work and the right mindset, absolutely anything is possible. We are here to bring you not just inspiration, but also actionable takeaways that you can use to create a life that you love right now. We're talking all things personal development, including health, fitness, confidence, relationships, and so much more. Thank you for tuning in. Now let's jump into today's episode. You're listening to episode number 41 of the Grind and Be Grateful podcast. We have a really amazing show for you today, and I know that you'll finish it feeling lighter, clearer, and more free, so I hope you're ready to receive everything that you're going to be hearing today. You're going to feel all of the amazing feels thanks to today's guest, who is going to be sharing her light and her story and her teachings with us, Janae Rose, aka at Namaste Janae on Instagram. If you don't follow her yet, you definitely will want to after this show but all of Jenny's teachings are really entwined into her own story. So you'll hear more about it as we kind of unlayer her story during the interview. But the basics are that she quit her quote unquote successful corporate job and followed her heart to become a self-made soulpreneur. I love that word. Self-doubt, horribly convincing in her criticism and attempting to please everyone else but herself. Those are all of the things that Janae overcame. And now she is a transformational life coach and self-empowerment expert here to teach us how to do the exact same thing. She catapulted herself inward for a journey of self-development to her life's purpose and really just found her calling. So now, Janae guides and supports other young women to step out of their fear and into their power through Instagram, panels, her podcast, and her signature intimate six-week coaching program called Your Own Healing. We'll be getting really real and really raw about all things empowerment, healing, and mindset today. So be prepared to release what's not serving you and elevate your state of being wholly and completely. Before we get into this incredible episode, let's do the review of the week. This one is from Nina with a little hamster emoji after her name. I didn't know that you could have emojis in your iTunes usernames, but she did. And she said, oh, so grateful for Marie and this podcast. High fives, five stars. I'm an avid seeker of new podcasts to listen to for growth, advice, laughter, courage, and all of the good things that speak to my heart. And the Grind and Be Grateful podcast is all-encompassing to all of the above. I cannot express how happy I am to have found this podcast and how much it truly speaks to what's on my heart episode after episode I listen to. Marie is such a genuine soul with amazing intentions and such an aspiring person whose content truly is empowering and thought-provoking. Thank you for all that you do, and I'm so excited to continue to see what's next and grow through your leadership. Leadership. Wow, Nina, I am oh so grateful for you. And I'm super happy that you found me this show and this community as well. And it means the world to me that this is resonating with you so deeply and that you have loved every episode that you've listened to. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the glowing review. And I would love to send you a limited edition Grind and Be Grateful t-shirt as a little treat for being so supportive of the show. So Nina, if you're listening, please DM me on Instagram at Marie E. Wold and tell me your size and address so I I can get that sent out to you. If you're listening right now and you're not the review of the week, you can get a chance to be featured next week and receive a limited edition Grind and Be Grateful t-shirt of your own by leaving us a rating and a review on iTunes. Listen, I know you probably always tell yourself, I'll do it next week or I'll do it 
later today or whatever, or maybe my review doesn't really make a difference. But really, guys, it only takes one minute of your time, and it means the absolute world to my team and I. I know that I'm kind of the face and the voice that you always hear in your speakers, your earbuds, but what you might not realize is that this podcast truly takes a village, and there's an entire team of people working on it behind the scenes. So every rating and review helps support all of the work that my team puts in. So if you don't want to do it for me, then do it for them, okay? All you have to do is head over to iTunes on your phone or your computer, find the ratings and review section, and let us know how we're doing. It is truly appreciated. This episode is in partnership with my favorite skincare company, Tula. And Tula could honestly not be more on point for today's topic because they are all about clean and effective products. So they are the perfect fit for your skin-focused self-care without disrupting your hormones or exposing yourself to the harmful chemicals that are found in a lot of conventional skincare products. As always, you can get 20% off of your entire order at Tula.com with code Marie. Again, that's T-U-L-A.com and you can save 20% by entering code Marie at checkout. Now, without further ado, let's jump into this week's episode. Hey, Janae, thank you so much for being on the Grind and Be Grateful podcast. Hi, Marie. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to get to connect with you finally. Me too. I've been following you. I think we've been like mutually following each other on Instagram for a long time now. And so it's exciting to like finally connect on a more personal level. A hundred percent. Yeah. And so it's a pleasure to like have you on the show. This is going to give our listeners such an uplifting and soulful like start break or end to their day. But before we get into like the really good stuff and kind of your work, I want to talk about who you were before you were Namaste Janae. So can you rewind back and tell us kind of the beginning of who you are, where you're from, and what you've done to like get to the enlightened, amazing teacher that you are today? I will try my best. (laughs) So I am from Long Beach, California, so pretty much on the border of LA and Orange County. So I grew up in LA, still here, love this city, and I was... My mom always says I was like not a happy kid. Like you, Mm. she couldn't make me happy, which I think says a lot about kind of growing up suffering with a lot of anxiety and a lot of depression without even knowing that those labels were me. So, you know, I struggled a lot as a kid. I really couldn't find anything that I was good at. I always bounced around from friend groups, like all the way from like elementary through high school and college. I was like always kind of cycling friendships. And yeah, that's kind of like the story of my life a little bit. And um, it wasn't until college, I actually tried my first yoga class and I hated it. Funny enough, I hated it. From there, I went into the corporate world and I started in tech startups and I worked, I helped to launch a now billion dollar brand that everyone would know. And I was their first employee and I suffered major panic attacks from the amount of stress. And that sort of started the very shaky corporate career for me. I was let go after like my first year there. And I had given that job everything I had. And from there, it was pretty much like downhill, even Mm. though the jobs I kept getting were better and better. Like I always was able to land on my feet, really good at interviewing, great at making other people feel like, you know, they can trust me. And just like, I always had that kind of personality where I was personable and never nervous, which was a strength that I didn't know I had. But I continued to sort of 
shove myself as this like square peg into round holes and it just Mm. would never fit. Right. So I, I continued trying to find jobs and do what, you know, my parents said I needed to do and everyone else around me was doing and follow that corporate career. And I was just fucking miserable. Oh, can I curse? Yeah. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I should have asked you that first. Okay. We get passionate over here. Yeah. I was totally miserable and Then I had her falling out with a parent, which was really emotionally tumultuous. And that sort of really revved me back into yoga. One day I just like went into a local yoga studio, just in tears and cried the whole time on my mat. And that's when I fell in love with that practice. Flash forward two years, I have two yoga teacher trainings. I'm a 500-hour registered instructor. Yoga led me to meditation and opened me up to a vegan plant-based conscious lifestyle. And that led into just now, like where I wanted to become a life coach. I found myself being magnetized to helping people and learning tools around self-development. And it all flowed really naturally. And that's where I found inner peace and was able to let go of a lot of resentment and judgments and negativity that kind of fueled my life. Hmm. Isn't it so interesting how like most of us who are kind of online service providers, whether it's like a life coach or a wellness coach or whatever it might be, typically we are teaching people and helping them with things that were like our biggest downfall at one point or another. A hundred percent. I couldn't agree more. I always say that as you teach, you learn. And as you learn, you teach. Mm. we are reflections of our students and our students are a reflection of us or clients, right? Whatever terminology you want to use. Because something that was said to me when I first wanted to start coaching, right? I had been teaching yoga privately with hotels. I was doing life coaching with my friends, but to get me into having this business, opening up my business, right? Which really I only launched my first group coaching program in November. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So it's been a really beautiful, fast trajectory, but I was able to hold that space and it came naturally because of all the inner work I had done and then getting all the certifications and all those things. But you know, you really only have to be five steps ahead. And that sank into me and stuck with me and really gave me the courage to step up and say, yes, I have this offer. I want to be a life coach. I'm coaching people. Come to me. And my students were just kind of like magnetized at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that speaks a lot to like, I mean, we'll get into like fear and imposter syndrome and all of that stuff down the road. But it just speaks to the fact that you don't need to know everything and have everything perfect before you jump in. Like you just have to have something to offer and like put your out there and the people will come. Absolutely. We all do. We are all five steps ahead of someone else. So we Mm -hmm. can all provide service and serve, which is in Sanskrit, it's seva, service. Mm. We can all do that. You don't have to be a coach. You don't have to be, you know, a quote unquote leader or an influencer or anything. You can provide service to the person next to you at work, to the person on the bus, to, you know, the person getting coffee behind you, to anyone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's so beautiful because we all have our own gifts and just different areas that we're strong in that other people can be lifted up in and vice versa. So it's easy to feel like, oh, well, she's a life coach, like she must have it all figured out or she's a wellness coach, so she must have it all figured out. But like, really, we all have our different strengths and weaknesses. And I'm sure I can learn just as much from my clients as they can learn from me. But we just have to be willing to go there with them, you know? It's all about that willingness. For sure. So I want to dive in to all of your like main pillars. So basically, I've been following you on Instagram for like a while. So I already knew your vibe. I knew what you were about. But once I knew you were going to come on the show, I really dove into your website and your blog and all that good stuff more. And I learned a lot about kind of your main pillars. So can you outline the main things that like you really believe in and teach on? As I transform and go deeper into my personal work, which any good coach should always be, you know, advancing themselves in their work as well, my pillars have transformed. And right now I have 
three main pillars that I'm really, really called towards. First is mindset, right? So everything around the limiting belief systems and the stories that we've accepted as true that define us up until this point. So gaining freedom from those. The second is empowerment. Like I understand that I'm really here to empower other women because I can show them things about themselves that they're too close to, they can't appreciate. And that really opens up the doors and the floodgates to self-acceptance and love and stepping into your power. The third is emotional intelligence. And that's so important because when you are operating from a highly emotional, intelligent place and you are not reactive, right? You have control over the perception and the understanding of how you want to perceive the situation and how you want to go forward with that situation. That is freedom and that is true power. So it's really about mindset, emotional intelligence, and empowerment. I absolutely love those. And I think one of the main things with mindset that you kind of alluded to just now was just breaking down fear and getting past all of those blocks that we have against showing up as like our fullest selves, our highest selves, whatever type of terminology and messaging you want to use to describe that. So can you kind of break down like why fear is such a strong emotion and like why it holds us back in so many areas in our lives? I think we all understand fear as false evidence appearing real. Fear is something that we have accepted as truth in our reality that doesn't necessarily reflect who we believe we are at our core, at our highest truth. So fear is one of the biggest blocks that we all truly face. And what's interesting is that 99.99999% of the time, fear is something that we are just perceiving. Mm. It's not real, right? We can't reach out and grab and pull fear back to us, right? It's not like we can put our hand through fear and say, okay, I'm going to push you to the side. Fear is all within the mind and it's a disconnect from love. Fear is a disconnect from intuition, from trusting yourself, from knowing that you're constantly fully supported and guided by the universe, spirit, God, source, whatever you want to call it. It doesn't matter. It's all this really high intelligence that's at work because there's something far greater here for us. Mm-hmm. So fear, you know, it's that social construct of you have to do this. You shouldn't do that. You must do this. If you don't do this, you're stupid, bad, ugly, not good enough. Mm. Yeah. Once I learned about like fear in terms of mindset based instead of like fear of like, oh, I'm afraid of heights, you know, because that everyone talks Mm -hmm. about fear in that way. But once I learned about fear as far as how we internalize it and like build it up for ourselves about just even day to day stuff, whether it's our career, our relationships, our like social life, whatever it might be, that was a huge wake up call to me because I was like, wow, I am holding myself small and I'm holding myself back in so many areas. And it's so in my control, but I don't know how to break free of it. And so I understood that I was afraid and I was holding myself back, but I didn't understand necessarily why I was afraid or how to break through it. So can you describe like how you think we kind of obtain all of these layers of fear and then how we can take them off again? At our waking state, so throughout the day, 95% of your thoughts come from your subconscious. So that means that we really only have control of 5% of the thoughts happening within our mind because we are run by subconscious. What is the subconscious mind? Subconscious mind is rooted in ego. So our subconscious and our ego were developed through zero to seven years old when we are at our most malleable and we are told what to do by parents, by teachers, by family members. We watch, we observe, and we absorb. Mm. 
And that is what creates those fears, right? Because we're told from a very young age that everything is really strict and rigid and it has to be done this way. And if you don't do it this way, right, you're not, it comes back to that. You're not good enough or you comparing yourself to this other person and they're doing it better and that's going to make you feel a certain way. And so any traumas or wounds or triggers that happened as a young child, let's say, you know, your mom was always telling you up until you were 10 years old, 15 years old to be really safe. Be safe, honey. Have fun. Have a good day at school. Be safe. Be safe. Be safe. Be safe. Your subconscious can leech onto that as a young kid and say, oh, it's not safe because I have to be safe. Mm. Therefore, I'm not safe. And that can, you know, cause a lot of fear as you age. And so, so many of us don't even realize that the deep-rooted fears that we have are stuck within our subconscious belief systems and they don't reflect who we are currently. And that's why we constantly feel this disconnect of, I'm not happy. I don't know why. I can't figure it out. Everything in my life is great, but for some reason I'm not fulfilled. That's because there's a disconnect going on between our heart and our mind and our ego, which its job is really to keep us safe. But everything that we want is on the other side of that safety, that Mm -hmm. fear. Yeah. I always tell my clients and just people that reach out to me that whenever you are feeling that resistance, whenever you're feeling that fear of like, I think I'm going to fail. What if X, Y, Z happens? Like that probably is a sign that you should do exactly what you're afraid of because that is your mind trying to like keep you safe and keep you small. And the growth Mm -hmm. and the magic is like what's going to happen when you lean into that and like eventually break through it. 100%. If you can learn to transmute your fear into desire or fear into faith or fear into excitement and say, ah, I'm feeling fear. Isn't that interesting? Okay. Now I know it's a sign. I have to move forward. You will step into your power and really nothing will be able to hold you back from that point. Mm -hmm. I like that you said just transmute it and like say, isn't that interesting? Because it's not that fear is the enemy necessarily like fear Mm -hmm. can be the thing that is like x marks the spot on the treasure map you know so we can identify it but it's not that we should necessarily like beat fear or push it down or like deny it it's like leaning into it and saying isn't that interesting and following it instead of it's not about being fearless it's about like knowing how to have a relationship with the fear right Mm, using fear as your motivator. Mm. And I tell that to my clients all the time, like, ask yourself, isn't this interesting? You don't have to get wrapped up in the judgment or the negative feeling emotion Mm -hmm. because emotions themselves are not good or bad. Fear, anger, stress, overwhelm, any emotion, anxiety, depression itself is not bad. Just like you said, it's not the enemy. It's that it feels bad when we are experiencing that emotion. So if we can create a little bit of separation from the fear, from the stress, from the anxiety and say, huh, isn't that interesting? This is telling me something. What's my message here? What's my lesson? And extract that. You have full control Mm -hmm. over everything that goes on, right? You're in charge versus having to constantly react and try and play defense. Yeah. Yeah. And I always say, if you are layering judgment on top of whatever emotion you're feeling, so if you feel fear and then you judge yourself for being afraid, or if you feel anxiety and then you're judging yourself for feeling anxious, like then you have two emotions to unpack. You should probably (laughs) just try to stick with the one and say, yeah, isn't that interesting? I would like to explore this more instead of being like, oh, why am I afraid? I'm so annoying for being anxious about this or whatever it is, because then that just magnifies whatever you're feeling and adds another layer to it instead of just addressing it and leaning into it. 
Exactly. And that's where we get stuck in the toxic cycle of judgment, which is really hard to break. And we are addicted to judgment. Yeah. Judgment of ourselves, comparison with others, judging a situation. And it's all around our perception. What are we perceiving to be true from this scenario? Because if you perceive it as negative, guess what? It's going to be negative. Mm. If you can perceive it as this opportunity or as a lesson, as a message, as a sign or signal, whatever you want to say, that is where you get to continue forward in a place of strength versus a place of struggle. Right. Okay. I love how you said we're addicted to judgment. Can you just expand on Mm. that? And why are we addicted to something that is so toxic to us? So this is what I would call a habit of the mind. It's a continuum, a constant pattern that we've experienced from a very young age that it becomes really embedded as our automatic like experience into a situation. So if something doesn't go my way today, let's say, you know, I'm getting on the freeway to go into downtown LA and there's a three car pile up and I can't get to where I need to be. And I'm stuck on the freeway for three hours. My immediate reaction, right? If I haven't done the work, the inner work is OMG, I'm going to freak out and lose my mind. I'm stuck on this freeway. This is unacceptable. Why did these idiots have to do X, Y, and Z? And this person's next to me. And oh my God, I'm running out of gas, right? It becomes a freak out. And you can apply this example to anything that's going on, right? Maybe you flunked a test. Maybe you like your boyfriend broke up with you. Maybe you're breaking up with someone, right? It's any situation can have this same application. But if I'm instead of judging the situation and judging the people for getting me in the situation and placing blame and and offering up judgment and getting toxically stuck in that cycle of my mind running through the scenario, instead of just accepting and observing what it is and using my witness perspective and say, okay, this happened, what can I possibly do within this situation to accept a benefit from it? instead of judgment. Oh, okay. I can get on Marie's podcast and listen and binge on these next three episodes that I've been wanting to, right? Or I can listen to a book. I can do X, Y, Z. I can brainstorm for my next project. There's always a way to really transmute and transition a situation that will bring up judgment. Because if you're stuck in judgment, my very good guess is that you're unhappy and you don't want to be stuck in judgment, but you just need the tools to exit that that place. Mm -hmm. Do you think judging ourselves or judging other people is like, which one is more prevalent and more toxic? Great question. Everything that we experience in our immediate external environment is a reflection of me. So if I look at you and I judge you and I say, she's X, Y, and Z, she's not pretty enough. She's ugly. She needs to do this. She's not healthy, yada, yada, yada. That's a reflection of me. Mm. That's me seeing you in myself. That's me seeing myself in you. Yeah. And it's the things that I'm not, I haven't accepted about myself that I will judge. Because so when we judge another, we truly are always judging ourselves. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Whenever you judge someone, it's because something about them is like triggering to you, right? Mm-hmm. If you're truly at peace with you and every single part of yourself, you're not going to judge anyone. And I think it's part of the human experience, right, to to look and, and have some type of comparison and say, oh, we relate, right? Because relativity is really important. Connection is really important. It's when we use that and we sort of bring it down into a negative vibration and we use it as a toxic way to keep ourselves down, to keep ourselves playing small, that's when it's unhealthy. That's when it's unacceptable. That's when it's unsafe. And that's when it causes separation. 
the main cause of suffering in this world is separation. We think we're separate within our neighbors. We think we're separate from our coworkers. We think we're separate from everyone around us. And it's just not the case. Right. And we also feel like no one can possibly understand where we're at when in reality, like empathy is the opposite and like the cure for all of the above. Everyone can relate to everyone on some level. Yeah. It doesn't matter if I'm trying to relate to a man in Zimbabwe who's 55 with <laughs> five kids. Like the, you can guarantee that if we look hard enough and we soul gaze and we communicate, we will find similarities. And more often than not, it's because everyone feels one of two things. They feel that what they want is not available to them or they feel that they're not good enough to have it. Mm, yeah. So with like they're not good enough to have it or just they're not worthy – those are really strong limiting beliefs that pretty much everyone struggles with, right? So I want to really break down what is a limiting belief because there are a lot of like these personal development terms, a lot of mindset terms, things like that, like inner work stuff that we talk about. But if someone is new to like all of these concepts, it could just go over their head and be like so overwhelming that they're like, I don't even want to start, right? So what mm -hmm. is a limiting belief and how do we identify it? And like, understand that it's a limiting belief and not our truth. You know what I mean? Like if we're so close to it that we feel like it's truth, how can we create that distance? So a limiting belief is something that's keeping you stuck, that's keeping you playing small, that's stopping you from doing something that you want. And bottom line, they don't feel good. Mm. They don't feel good. So if you look at yourself in the mirror, right, and you're saying, I'm not happy in my body, it's not that your body isn't a place where you can be happy. It's that you're perceiving it as such, right? right? Or you're not showing up in the way that you want in order to achieve the goals of feeling better or improving your digestion system or, right? Any, it could be anything. And we all have qualms about ourselves. That's part of the human experience. But a limiting belief is going to be anything that you know in your core isn't true and it doesn't feel good, but you still believe it. You were either told it, right? It goes back to that subconscious. And when we start to wake up and get familiarized with these methods and these topics, that's when it starts to, like, light bulbs start to go off and it starts to become really clear. Like, okay, yeah, this belief I have that like I'm not good enough and I'm not smart enough, it's just not true, but I've accepted it to be true. Mm -hmm. So basically identifying a limiting belief takes a lot of self-awareness. Like you have to have the awareness of, oh, I believe this is true, but also I know it's not true, which is an interesting like contrast and an interesting distinction because even though you believe something, you also know at your core somehow that it's not true. And I think a big part of that is just being able to tune in and like get to your deepest, like truest self. But that's so hard when we're conditioned to numb out, like, you know, turn on Netflix, turn on social media, get drunk, like do whatever and just mm -hmm. numb out whenever we're feeling things and we're not sitting with every part of ourselves. And so for someone that's never really gotten in touch with their own truth, what would be like a first step to waking up to that? Something really simple you can start to do is question your mind, question the quality of your thoughts, right? So if you're at work and you start thinking all of these things and your boss says something rude to you and it makes you feel like shit, question that. Is this ultimately true? Is it ultimately true that I'm not good enough? Is it ultimately true that I don't have enough experience for this? Is it ultimately true that I'm not beautiful? Is it ultimately true that I can't have the things that I want? Yeah. And says who, you know, like even if we get that and like we're not worthy or we can't have what we want, like who says that and how, what, like what kind of say do they have over you? Because ultimately like a big theme of this entire 
episode is like you have control over your thoughts and you can always make the best of any situation and you can expand that out into like your entire life. And so if you're giving other people that like dominion over your perception of yourself, then you're giving away like your potential basically. But it's something that we've been taught, right? It's a learned behavior. Mm -hmm. And that's why it becomes this addiction, this pattern, this habit that we really have to build awareness around and say, wait, why am I letting this person who's not me, who doesn't necessarily have my best interest at heart, why am I letting them control what I believe to be true? Because what you believe to be true is what's going to be true, right? It's that really interesting cycle of the things that we call in and manifest in our lives. Like, as I was growing up, I never felt like I fit in. And I created this limiting belief, this story. All it is, it's a story you've told yourself. Mm -hmm. But you can rewrite the story. Yeah. So I felt that I never fit in. I couldn't have friends. I cycled through friendships. And so that was true. Right. Right? Until I sat down and looked at this and said, I want some really good friends. And I don't care how many. I just want some women who uplift me, who I trust, who I can do the same for them. And it's not this competitive bullshit. And one by one, I slowly started to call those in, right? And it still takes work and it still takes even me at this point. I have to remind myself, I will catch myself in limiting beliefs all the time. Right. We're never perfect. It's a muscle. Awareness is a muscle. Mindfulness is a muscle. Self-love is a muscle. Confidence is a muscle. You have to kind of use them or you lose mm -hmm. them. Let's take a quick break and talk skincare, cool? Of course, self-care goes far beyond face masks and bubble baths, but let's be real, who doesn't love a good face mask from time to time? My absolute favorite is the Instabrite sheet mask from Tula because it's the perfect balance of energizing and brightening, and my skin just glows after I use it. Plus, the mask itself is actually sparkly and fun, so that's an added bonus. If you're a regular listener of the show, you know how much I love Tula. I talk about them all the time. I love their entire line of products so much that I have literally exclusively been using Tula stuff since the beginning of 2018, and I swear by them, my skin has never been better. And what's so special is that Tula uses probiotics as the foundation for everything that they make. And probiotics have been proven to help promote the look of skin's natural balance, locking in moisture, and leaving your complexion more hydrated, all while reducing the appearance of inflammation. So not only are probiotics amazing for your gut health, they're great for their skin health too. And not only that, but Tula only uses clean, clinically proven, high-quality ingredients that nourish your skin, and they're also cruelty-free. So you don't have to sacrifice efficacy in order to get products that you feel really great about using. And right in line with this episode, none of the ingredients will disrupt your hormones or put toxins into your system. Your skin is your biggest organ, you guys, and it absorbs everything. So it's so important to use products that are good for you and will nourish your skin from the outside side in. You guys know that I'm extremely picky about what goes in and on my body. And so I'm so grateful to have found products that work and I can't help but share them with you as well. If you want to learn more about Tula products, they have an amazing, really fun skin quiz on their website, as well as a bunch of awesome bundles and trial sizes so you can figure out what you love the most. You can head on over to Tula.com and take the skin quiz, browse products. And if you end up grabbing anything, don't forget to use code Marie to save 20% on your entire order. Again, that's T-U-L-A.com and the 20% off code is Marie. Now let's get back.
Okay, so then once you identify that you have a limiting belief or there's a story that you're telling yourself that isn't serving you, do you have like a certain exercise that you give your students or certain just instructions for how to rewrite that and make it something that does serve you? For someone that's really new and starting out to this process, I would really encourage you to get a little journal and start to think about the stories that you're telling yourself and the things that maybe you just want to change, right? You don't necessarily have to know that it's a limiting belief, but if it's something that you tell yourself or you believe that doesn't feel good and you want to change it because it's stopping you from doing the things that you want with your life, write that down. So if my limiting belief is I am not able to make a lot of money because I come from a poor family, that's a story. That's a limiting belief that you're setting for yourself, right? So you're going to write that down and then you're going to cross that out. And then underneath it or next to it, you're going to write the new story, Mm. the new storyline. And that's money is more than accessible to me because I believe in myself or I love money. Thank you, universe, for sending me all of these beautiful opportunities. Anything that feels good and that helps rewrite that story. And a personal practice that I do every single night, I write down my intentions or my goals that I'm working on. So For example, my goal right now is my next upcoming launch of my program. I'm like, I want to double the amount of women I have in that program. I feel like I can hold that space. I'm really ready for that, right? I want to call in the next phase of my coaching. Every single night, I write that down. I'm like, thank you so much for the 20 women in my March program. I'm so obsessed with them. I'm so grateful to be able to hold space for them. And it's so amazing and yada, 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 right? And I write a whole page of that. Just like professing my love for what I want and this new truth Mm -hmm. that I'm calling in. And you can do that same exact thing. And here's the deal. Mantras, intentions, goals, they work and their power is in repetition. It's in building that new habit. Because even if you don't believe it yet, you will start to believe it really quickly the more that you kind of tune into that energy. Right. And the repetition is so important because we've spent like our entire lives doing repetition for the opposite outcome, right? Like we've spent our whole lives in the subconscious, in the ego of just these stories, these limiting beliefs, these lies that we tell ourselves. And so it's going to take some time to rewrite those. But once you can commit to it, like it's actually pretty cool how quickly you can shift your mind and shift then your reality. The mind is is a fickle beast when untrained, right? It really, we don't realize we're not taught this in school. You know, we're not taught so much of the most important things about our life in our education system, our public education system. So that is why it's so important, right? To be able and willing and open to kind of learning new things that you may not be exposed to before, especially when it comes to the mind. Because the mind is meant to be used as a tool. Mm-hmm. It is not meant to have free range over your life. And if it does, and I'm guessing it might, that's why you're re- it's wreaking havoc. Right. And you feel so out of control. And there's that disconnect. You're like, my heart says I want this, but my mind says I can't have it. Why? It's because your mind is untrained. It's just running a freaking muck. <laughs> And now it's time to like put that leash on him and like reel him back in, right? That's so interesting because I think we just always assume that like our brain is on our side, right? Like, isn't Mm -hmm. it for us? Isn't it, you know, (laughs) but it like it is in one extent because it's trying to keep you safe. It's trying to maintain like the status quo. So in that sense, like it's wired to work for us, but it's wired to work for our survival, which is like taking the easiest path to keep us safe. But that is also like the easiest path to keep us small. So Mm -hmm. it's such an interesting wake up call. And I think 
our generation is like one of the very first to have so much like consciousness and personal development and content like this to consume and like so many thought leaders, so many podcasts listen to, so many books. Like I don't think that, for example, my parents' generation, they're in their 60s. I don't think they have had any exposure to this stuff. And so how do you think that like this generation and the generations after us are going to be different in the big picture sense because we have access to these concepts? Well, the world is waking up, right? And I think that we forget those of us who are willing and open to these things, they will come into our space just naturally. It's like a frequency gravitational pull. Mm -hmm. But we forget that so much of the world is still not yet ready and they're not yet willing to see this. It's beautiful. Like we have, you know, spiritual leaders like Marianne Williamson running for president in 2020. It's like pretty major. You're right. It's a very big turning point for the world. And it's because the world's kind of on the brink of extinction. Mm. Honestly, like we are running into a really, really scary place. So it's honestly our responsibility as the next generation, the future of our environment, of our world, of this universe to get woke and take this stuff seriously and and work within because everything that you want, it's none of it's external. And that's where we have gotten into this really scary place of we need more. Everything has to look a certain way. It's all about right the facelifts and the Beverly Hills housewives and the cars that we drive and the flash. And none of that is really going to serve your internal happiness, your circumstance, and it's not going to raise the vibe of the Mm -hmm. world. And so now that people are really starting to pay attention to and see that it's possible for them to do the things that they want and to get paid well and have freedom in their lives and in their friendships and relationships and in wealth and money and abundance by doing good, right? It's like when good people make good money, they're going to do great yes, things. That's a great And that's a line. But yes, him. exactly. Exactly. He's amazing. Yeah. And that line always stuck with me. Yes. And it was interesting, like one of my clients said this, it might be a little bit of a tangent, but she said this to me the other night. She's like, you know, I work in social work and I look around and I don't see a lot of diversity within the wellness or the mindfulness Mm. areas. And she asked me, you know, how can I keep asking myself, well, why me? Why do I get this? Why do I deserve this? And I told her, it's like, you were given because you are meant to give. Yeah. So if you have been given the opportunity to connect with Marie and do her programs, to listen to this, to you know learn about mindfulness and ways to help yourself, it is your responsibility to do that mm. and to move forward with that. And I always tell myself when fear comes in for me, I say, well, who am I to do this? Who am I to have this? Who am I to get to have all these clients and this freedom and lead people? And I remind myself, girl, who are you not Amen. to? Because when, yeah, when I don't step the fuck up, someone else is suffering. Right. Because they're not getting what I Right. If we're staying small and we're not living up to like our fullest potential, then everyone around us suffers. Whether you want to be, you know, a coach or a consultant or a thought leader or an influencer or anything like that, even if it's just like your immediate family, if you're not leveling up for yourself, at least level up for them because they deserve to have you at your best, you know? Mm, Absolutely. 100%. So when we're doing all of this like internal work, it's not always pleasant. Like oftentimes it's very unpleasant Mm -hmm. and we have to face these inconvenient truths. And that, in my opinion, can be like the hardest part of working on ourselves, returning to love, all that stuff. So first part of my question is how can we have like emotional stamina to like do this journey and give it justice without like burning out about just uncovering all of our shit basically. Oh my gosh. So I see this constantly within my clients. They come in and then they get a little overwhelmed. And 
what's really important to remember is that, again, it comes down to your perception of things. So if I asked you a really simple question, I said, what if it gets to be easy? Mm. What if it gets to be fun? What if it gets to be this beautiful journey of self-exploration where you're just letting go and detoxing of the things that no longer serve you and you're calling in the things that you want? And it could be that fun and that simple. Yeah. How does that feel? feels a lot better, right? I've realized this lately too. I've been feeling this call where before I was sort of sharing about fear and, and sharing from fear almost. And I woke up the other day and I said, no, it's, it's about sharing from the love and saying, this is here for you. It's waiting for you. Do you want to come out and grab it? Not you're living in the limiting beliefs and it's scary mm. and you're going to die, yeah. right? It's a very different energy. And you know, we're always evolving, even as coaches and as women. And so for me, that's what I'm really feeling called in is really sharing from that more feminine place, that more divine feminine goddess yeah. vibe versus kind of that masculine, like you are scared and I can help <laughs> you. And and so we see that a lot, right? We're like 10 ways to overcome your fear. And I'm guilty of it too. Like I got sold on that idea that we have to talk about the pains. We have to share two people's pains. And I'm like, fuck this. I'm tired of talking about people's yeah. pains. What about talking about the opportunities and the love that's waiting for them kind of on the other side of doing the work? And it does get to be easy. It can be crazy and scary and a little wild. But the moment you start to observe versus react and the moment you start to have awareness instead of being so deep in that emotion – that's really where the freedom is. And you kind of kick back and you say, okay, yeah, this is awesome. And also to anyone out there who like really wants to do this and they're like, I'm ready. I'm feeling called. I want to let go of this crap that I'm holding on to this baggage. Get yourself support. Mm. Get yourself a coach. It doesn't have to be scary. It doesn't have to be hard. You don't have to spend six freaking years going down the path and trying to read all the books and doing all the courses and doing all the things, right? Because that's where it gets overwhelming because right. everyone has a different method. And how do you know what strategy is going to fit you best, right? Figure out who you vibe with who you attune to. Right. If you're like, yeah, okay, I like this girl. I like her vibe. I'm going to do it. And you just can't let yourself talk you out of it because that's where the ego comes in. And then you're going to look back six months and beat yourself up and judge yourself for wishing that you'd started already. Right. So just fucking start. I say that all the time about like health and wellness and fitness goals and stuff too, because I'm like, look guys, when I started, I tried to figure it all out by myself. I was like, I can just learn and try. And it, I mean, I went through like four plus years of trial and error that I could have just collapsed time and like hired someone mm -hmm. to help me. I would have saved so much time, so much frustration, so much energy if I would have just like from the beginning surrendered to the process and accepted like, I'm not an expert at this. Someone out there is and they can help mm -hmm. me. And like you said, there are always so many conflicting opinions. Like if someone is new to fitness, for example, they're going to search like keto diet and there are going to be 10 articles mm -hmm. saying it's amazing, 10 articles and like my Instagram post saying, please don't do it. And they're like, okay, yes. what do I believe now? I don't understand. And so that's why it's so important to like find someone you jive with and just surrender and like let it be a flow. And what you said about like we want it to be a struggle almost like we want it to be a struggle mm -hmm. yet we crave ease that resonates with me so freaking much because I have this weird complex that a lot of people have where I crave ease and flow and surrender and alignment but yet I continue to create more to do's and more stress and more standards and those just like keep me in this cycle of being like pressured and stressed and like harsh on ourselves mm. and so 
is that like a fear thing of I'm afraid of what's going to happen if I surrender? Or why do you think people get stuck in this like spin cycle of just push and struggle? This is so fascinating because I was literally just talking about this, I think, yesterday on my stories. So we're so synchronized and it's amazing. (laughs) I love that. There's no coincidences, only synchronicities. But here's the thing. We get, again, addicted to the struggle, addicted to the fear because we think, well, I've been this fear. I've been this pain. I've had this pain, emotional or physical, for so long that who am I without this fear? Mm. Who am I without the struggle? Who am I without the pain? it becomes part of our identity because we've lived with it for so long. Like it's so prevalent and I see this so, so much is that we get scared to feel good. Yeah. We're like, but what'll happen if I feel good? <laughs> like what, what am I going to do? And here's the thing. You will shift. You will change. And yeah, like relationships will shift. Relationships change. The things that you're attracted to will change, will shift, right? Everything kind of in your life will will morph to the energy that you decide to kind of incubate within you, right? So if you're like, I don't want to be fear anymore. I want to be love. And I start doing all the things that are loving vibes, right? Or I'm getting into the programs. or I'm working out with my body and finding a trainer and doing, doing the things, joining the program things will shift. And that's how you know that it's working because you will always, always, always get exactly what you need. You may not get what you want, what you think you want, but you will always get what you need. Yeah. It's just like the fear of the unknown, even though like hypothetically Mm. it's going to be good, like you're craving the result. It's just, it's not known and you've never experienced it before. And so you're afraid to fully lean into that and just accept whatever's going to come because you can't envision it. And like you said, when you're embarking on that journey and when you are starting that process, like you literally become someone different and you have to be okay with letting go of that identity. So like for me, I need to let go of the identity of like, I'm the hardest worker in the world. Like I'll outwork anyone. My work ethic is unparalleled. Like that doesn't need to be my identity anymore because it's not serving me anymore. Maybe when I was a college athlete, that served me. Maybe when I was like trying to be on the dean's list every single semester of college, that like served me in a way, but in other ways it didn't. And now I have to be able to give that up and like write a new identity. Yeah. And it boils down to this. Look at your life right now. Is that where you want to be five years from now? Mm Mm-hmm. No? Okay, then you're going to be required to shift and change. And you can do it unconsciously or you can do it consciously. And I'll tell you what will get the better result every time when you're consciously making the changes and the shifts that you want. Because otherwise, the changes and shifts that you don't want can happen to you. Right. Because you're not right taking those steps to create or manifest what you want, what you desire. So it's starting to get clear and say, okay, these are the things I'm not liking that are in my reality. I'm not digging this. I don't like being reactive. I don't like being negative. I don't like being judgmental, right? I don't like these extra five pounds or I don't like feeling sluggish when I wake up in the morning. And then it's taking guided action on those desires saying, okay, this is the result that I desire. I want to feel better. I want to have more energy. What are some things I can do right now to do that? And you got to rip the bandaid off. I always tell my clients to say, you got to jump the fear fence. You got to fucking scale that (laughs) motherfucker and you got to jump over that fear fence because everything you want is on the other side of it. And it's only scary because we let it be scary because we've been sitting in the fear for so long that we don't know what the love and the ease looks like. 
But you really do, like you said, perfectly. You have to surrender. You can either surrender or you can continue to struggle. Mm -hmm. And that's really just what it boils down to. What do you want more? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. I had flashbacks of The Bachelor. Like I don't watch a bachelor. I only watch the summary videos on YouTube because I, <laughs> I don't, I refuse to spend like a whole hour watching the bachelor, but I want to know what happens. And so you saying like jump the fear <laughs> fence, I'm seeing Colton jumping over the gate, which still hasn't happened yet at the time of us recording this, but they put it in every freaking preview. And so that's like, I need to channel my inner Colton and like jump the fear fence. And that's going to be my new mantra, but (laughs) just random. That's like where my brain goes, I guess. So not really proud of it, but let's talk about your three steps to miracles process that you talk about, because I think that really connects to what we're talking about as far as you have to be willing to ask for something and show up for it. So what exactly is your process and how can people apply it into their lives? There's something important to remember about the word miracle because it can kind of have a religious connotation for some people, which can be negatively charged. Spirituality and organized religion, completely Mm -hmm. separate things, also the same, right? I wouldn't say the same as in the organization, but the same as in connecting to a power, whatever you want to call it, that is greater, that is you as well. So miracles or miracle-mindedness is really just the ability to see a situation differently. It's having the willingness to say, okay, I'm willing to see this differently. Mm-hmm. I'm willing. I'm open. I go, Okay. And this is from a sacred spiritual textbook, which is kind of like the spiritual Bible called The Course in Miracles. That's where I really learned about the word miracle. I really had never attuned to that before. I didn't understand what that was. I thought I had to do everything in my life and ever I was in control of mm-hmm. it all. And come to find out, I'm like, mm, okay, I can ask for things. I can believe and then I can receive, mm-hmm. right? So a miracle is really, if you're having a tough time, miracle doesn't have to be like, oh, I'm, I'm going to ask for a miracle of a million dollars because yeah, probably not, right? A little far-fetched. But a miracle within your life is, you know, I'm having a really hard time with this relationship with my mom and, I, you know, I want, I need a miracle. I want to see this differently. Can God, can source, can spirit, can my highest self, can I get some support? Yeah. I'm willing to see this differently. So the three steps are really simple. Ask for a miracle. Got to ask for what you want. The second step would be just be willing to see the situation differently. Be willing to see it with fresh eyes, right? Look away, close your eyes, come back, look at it new. Look at that person like you've never seen them before, right? Like it's a new relationship. It's a new start. And the third would be really receive, receive with gratitude and just repeat. Ask for the things that you want. Be willing to say, okay, even if it didn't come yet, I think it's on its way. Or I'm willing to know that whatever I'm asking for is going to come in divine timing. It's going to come in the form that's best suited for me and those around mm-hmm. me because the universe makes no mistakes. It's all in a really beautiful, intelligent order. And so if we're not ready and I can't hold space for a million dollars, I'm not going to get a million dollars. If I'm not there yet, it's not going to happen. If I'm having a half a million dollar year and then I ask for a miracle of a million bucks, okay, there's probably opportunities that are going to come to present themselves because I can handle right. that. So we also have to keep within, within reason. But yeah, a miracle process or miracle mindedness is just wanting and be, being willing to know that you don't have to attach to the outcome. You don't have to attach to the emotion. You don't have to attach to your perception of the situation. You say, okay, I can observe this. I can witness it and I can just take that. Right. It's not so much commanding something to happen. It's like asking and then having a willingness and just being open to how it comes to fruition. And there's miracles that happen all the time. 
we either aren't seeing them or we don't really recognize them as a miracle, but it's just the ability and the willingness and the openness to see a situation differently. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So on the spiritual side of things, you said your first experience with yoga, like you didn't like it, right? And I feel like yoga is most commonly promoted for like physical benefits as far as like improved flexibility, less stress, that sort of thing. But it has this huge spiritual component as well. So did that help you find your spiritual side or how do those two relate for you? Yoga for me was my first exposure to a healing modality. And I went because I wasn't emotionally sound and I didn't really know what else to do. And I was just pulled into a studio. And I went back every day for a year, every day without fail. And that made me fall in love with asana, right? The physical practice, which is the very modern Western yoga practice. Mm -hmm. Yoga has eight limbs. Only one of those limbs is physical postures. And technically, we only practice the physical postures to prepare our mind and release the things from our body, that energy, let go of that energy, so that we can come into meditation, which is a quiet seated meditation. Mm. So yoga really is the vessel for meditation, but you know, leave it to the Westerners to like totally fuck up some beautiful practice. But yeah, connecting with the breath. And I'd never, you know, I was never good at sports. I was never really an athlete. Like I, yeah, very petite and I don't have a ton of muscle and I just wasn't good. Like I wasn't naturally good Mm -hmm. at that. And so yoga was really the first quote unquote sport that I excelled in. And funny enough, though, it actually led me to cause a really bad injury in my back because I was practicing so hard and with such devotion. I had some pre-existing injuries that I sort of pushed back into my unconscious mind that I didn't really remember. Like from college, I was super drunk and I fell off a bar, like an actual bar. Yeah. And I almost broke my hip, got a concussion, fell asleep, like the whole nine yards, lucky to be here. And that I was working out, doing yoga. And then I, I like popped a disc in my back. I, I bulged a disc. And that was about four or five months ago. And I haven't been able to practice yoga since. And it's something I haven't even really been able to talk to my audience about because I really wanted to settle in and resonate and figure out what's my message here. And I think now I really understand it. And it's like my yoga practice used to look like handstands. And now my yoga practice looks like a seated meditation. Yeah. And that's okay. And because I've practiced for so long and because yoga has taught me that you don't have to get things the quote unquote right way. And it doesn't have to look like anyone else. And it just has to feel good within your body and within your mind. And you can sit quietly and that can be enough. Because I have that freedom, I'm able to continue on this path. And I was actually able to dive into the business and focus on that and have really beautiful success with it versus if I look back six years ago, you know, before I had ever started my yoga practice, if I had gotten injured, it would have been the end of the freaking mm. world. And I would have, it would have set me into like a tailspin of depression. So yoga is amazing. But the way that it's practiced and taught here, there is a lot of danger in the practice because you're pushing your body. It's really not meant to be an athletic sport. It's meant to be practiced with devotion over many, many, many years. And that's how you see like the Kino yoga and the yoga girl and all these people with these really beautiful bendy practices. It took them a lifetime. Right. Yes. It's not that we forget. It's not a push thing. Like we want to turn everything into a push thing, like push yourself, work harder, do more, get better. But like yoga is supposed to kind of be the opposite of that where you surrender and like (laughs) my favorite classes that I go to are when they say you know just like be curious about how things feel and be like 
listen to your body as far as like, oh, if this feels tight, like don't force it. If this posture isn't comfortable for you, like don't do it. You know, instead of, I don't know, I've gone to some classes where it's like burn more, like push harder. And it's like, I don't think this is what yoga is supposed to be, or at least that's not what I want to go to yoga for. Like if I want to push myself and burn and like work harder, I'll go lift weights, you know, like I don't need to go to yoga for that. And so what would you say to someone who's like interested in starting yoga and doing it the right way? What would be like a good first step for them? Get into a studio, find a teacher that you trust, start with the basics. It really builds, yoga is a foundational practice. So you'll see these strong people going into level three or advanced classes that don't have the right posture. Their shoulders sticking out in the wrong way, right? They're not able to activate the really small muscles that need to support their spine in this pose and they're just going for it. And that's all well and good, but that is how you risk your body. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I would definitely say start with restorative, start with yin yang classes that are really balanced and work with the breath. Just get to know your body, get fluid in the motions. And then I would say slowly when you feel ready, you start to, you know, move up. You go into a level one, then you go into a level two. But definitely find a teacher that you feel has a lot of experience. I would go for someone with like 10 plus years of experience. I would not go into a core power with someone who's just gotten their yoga teacher training last year. It's just dangerous. It really is. It's become one of those things like anyone can get a yoga teacher training. That doesn't mean everyone should be a teacher. Mm -hmm. Yep. So true. Oh, I feel like we've covered so much good stuff, but I have one more question. I want to know, are you someone who like you have a plan for the future in terms of like, where do you see yourself in five years? Or are you someone who you're taking things one step at a time and just like open to what happens? Or are you somewhere in the middle? Absolutely in the middle. It's a flow, right? It's a give and take. These are the things that I say that I desire. You know, I want to help millions of women. So I see myself on a really big platform, but I don't plan every little step along the way because that's where the suffering can come in. If, well, why isn't it happening, right? Because I'm perceiving that it has to happen a certain way and it doesn't because I've seen people that explode in six months, right? So there's really no point in causing that stress on myself. If I have a general idea and I say, this is what I feel in my soul is where I should be in order to help impact in a positive way the most amount of women, that's the direction I'll head and the rest will just, I'll allow it to unfold. Mm -hmm. So you're just not attached to like the process. You can't be. That's where the suffering lies for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Expecting to look a certain way. That's how you will be guaranteed to stress and suffer and be frustrated. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I feel like I've learned so much from you in the last like hours. So I want to hear about (laughs) your coaching intensive, like who's it for? What do you cover? What can people expect out of that experience? Oh, I love this program. (laughs) This is my first group coaching program and it's become such a beautiful, sacred, safe space for women to expand. So mostly the women who resonate with me and the most women that I find within the program are the millennial women, just like you and I, who are just feeling that disconnect, like something's not right. And they want that support. They're ready to unpack the things that they feel are holding them back, right? Whether that's just a limiting belief or whether that's a real deep rooted trauma and something that has to be looked at and brought up to the light so that it can disperse and turn back into love and fuel them. So within the program, it includes those three pillars. It's so much mindset work. It's a ton around emotional intelligence and of course, of course, of course, around empowerment. So the program has six weeks of 
one-on-one coaching with me as well as group coaching calls weekly. There is beautiful content, pre-recorded videos, worksheets, exercises, all the good stuff. And it is a really beautiful container. I will leave it at that. Yeah. If someone feels called, what I would really say is listen to the call. Don't talk yourself out of it because that's the way that you strengthen your connection to your intuition is by doing the things that automatically feel right. And it's like, oh, I think that's me. I think I need that. Go for it. Mm-hmm. Right. Because the more you kind of suppress that, repress it, depress it, the more depression, suppression, and repression you'll find in your yeah. life. Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. Oh, I think like maybe I'll join. It sounds really cool. <laughs> <laughs> Girl, come on in. I would love to hold that space yeah. and connect with you in that yeah, way. Yeah. I absolutely love what you're doing. And I have to know the final question because this is a Grind and Be Grateful podcast. We ask this every single time. What is one big goal that you're currently grinding for? And what is one thing that you're hugely grateful for? Mm, love that. I am grinding for six-figure business. Yes. I love what I'm doing so much. And to me, the abundance just allows freedom to reach more people and gives me the capacity to expand my platform. Mm-hmm. So for me, it really is about showing up for my client in the absolute best way and showing up for my audience and giving and giving and giving so that people feel safe in order to do this exploration because it's something I so wish that I had had so many years ago when I was really, really suffering. And there wasn't anything like this. And that's what led me to create this is I wanted to be the person that I never had for women just like me who are suffering and and there's no need for it. And they're beautiful and smart and deserving of everything that they want in the world. And they're just not sure how to make that happen. Yeah. Yeah. And so for me, I see myself sort of as I never want to say it, but like the next um, or the the Gabby Bernstein of our generation, right? Like that spiritual self-development mm-hmm. leader for the millennial Love woman. It. Yeah, it's beautiful. And then something I'm so grateful for is connecting with other like-minded women just like you and connecting with all of the people on Instagram and all the platforms. Yeah. It reminds me every day like why to continue to show up, right? Like gives me that drive of like, there is so much healing that needs to happen in this world and we can improve the collective consciousness of even just our communities by showing up, by giving love, by trying again, by choosing a new thought and yeah, by continuing to hold space and get into that love. Yeah. That's what it's all about. Yeah, get into love mode. Yes. <laughs> awesome. Okay. Now, where can everyone find you? Because I'm sure they're just as obsessed with you as I am. So where can they find you on the internet? Um, What's your website? All that good stuff. Yes. Everything is at Namaste Janae, N-A-M-A-S-T-E-J-E-N-A-Y. So Instagram at Namaste Janae, website namastejanae.com, email namastejanae at gmail. (laughs) So you can find me all the places. I also have a little amazing private Facebook group called the Namaste Babe Sisterhood. So get on in there and connect with me. I'd love to hear from you all and hear what's going on in your life and hold that space. I just love this Yeah. And what's your podcast called? Oh, thank you for reminding me. Yes, it came out today. So amazing. Spiritual self-development podcast is called Align Your Life. Amazing. And guys, I'm about to, as soon as we get off this call, record an interview on her show. So make sure you check that out and subscribe to her as well. Yeah. Thank you so much, Janae. I love talking with you and I'm excited for my turn to be in the interview chair next. Yay, Marie. So grateful for you. Thanks, girl. Talk to you soon. Before you go, I just wanted to say thank you so much for spending your time with me on the Grind and Be Grateful podcast today. I'm super happy that we were able to hang out and share some good vibes today. 
It would mean the absolute world to me if you could take one second to share this episode with someone who you think would love it, whether it's texting it to your friend, linking it on Twitter, or posting a screenshot on your Instagram story. It is all super appreciated. And please leave a short review on iTunes if you're enjoying it. Tell me what you think. Let me know what you want to hear more of. This show is for you, so your feedback matters. Plus, it would really help me out on my mission to educate and empower women everywhere to become their very best selves. Thank you again for listening and supporting the show. And until next time, don't forget to grind to be grateful, my friends.